Hey everyone, Steve here doing a good old cold opening on my phone, in fact, so that it will explain for the quality being different, maybe even worse. I'm not sure. I, I won't know until I listen, and I never edit, but I'm going to have to edit this into the, what's going on. Anyhow, a couple of things. What you're about to hear is actually a conversation between myself and Erish Chernovice and Adam Bray that was meant to be for the Patreon community. And um, half of it is, in fact, that we'll, you'll hear us when we cut off at the end. Um, that ha that that part is is that there's part that is just for the Patreon community. But the first half that you're actually about to hear, the discussion was so good about stuff with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and um, and into the Spider Verse, and Bumblebee, and Aquaman. So just wanted to get that out there to you guys, albeit a little bit later than I intended to. Um, so hopefully you'll enjoy it. Also, it's not mentioned on here, but this Saturday, February 9th, is going to be our annual, uh, Goliverse Marathon for Cure, uh, curechildhoodcancer.org. Great organization. We're working out, there's been some weird things they've done since last year, so I'm having a hard time getting all the websites and stuff set up, but, uh, working with them to make sure we get that done so that come Saturday you'll be able to donate, and the donation page should be up for a good week or so afterwards. So um, just stay tuned to Geek Out Loud. Check out our Facebook page or the Facebook group, the Guardians of the Goliverse, or um, really the Big Honkin' Show Facebook page. So facebook.com slash Big Honkin' Show. And, um, and we'll put some stuff on the Goliverse Twitter, at Goliverse, so you can make sure that you know exactly what's going on. Maybe Instagram. I don't know. I don't know what I would put on Instagram. But anyhow... Um, so, so I hope that you enjoy this, and I hope that you'll be with us uh, Saturday, February 9th, for our big uh, Goliverse Marathon. Um, cue the music. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Super Saturdays here on Patreon.com slash Geek Out Loud. We thank you for being a part of our Patreon community. And we are so looking forward to rounding out the second season of Young Justice together. Welcome back to our Super Saturdays here on Patreon.com slash Geek Out Loud. You know me, of course, as the man who recently found this software that I'm loving to use. I am... Steve Glosson. Exactly. And uh, with me, of course, let's bring him in the way we like to bring him in as we're discussing Young Justice. <coughs> Recognize. 
Z421 Erish Chernevice. Well, let me tell you, mean gene. Oh. Woo-hoo! Oh. I just had to do that in honor of a man who was a huge voice in my life that we lost this week. Little tribute to Mean Gene. Yeah, Mean Gene Oakland passed away, and uh, wow, what a what kind of way to kick off the year there at the end of the year we lost. Well, I guess it was back in November we lost Stan Lee, and then coming into the to the new year there went Mean Gene. He went on in, so uh, he was definitely one of those voices of your childhood, yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, also with us as always, <coughs> recognize. Z, number I can't remember ever. Adam Bray. Greetings, meatbags. <laughs> awesome. Recognize Black Beetle. <laughs> How you guys doing? Wait, was that Black Beetle or was that Red Volcano? Oh, Red Volcano was doing the meatbags thing. That's oh, right. I'm they sorry. They all did. Did I think All I had the androids? The, yeah, I had the, the Beatles in mind, but you're right. I think the the volcano did it too. Well, the way you said it had kind of the robotic voice to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's my success in doing that depends on what I've been eating and drinking prior to saying it. <laughs> well, happy New Year, my brothers! Happy yeah, New Year, guys! Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Um, let's see here. I am I'm looking into this right now to see where we've got examples of people being called meatbags. Oh, that droid from that uh, one game, Red Volcano, sure was. Sure was. In fact, he called, um, he said, you have no chance against me, humans. And then McGann and Superboy said, we're not human. And Red Volcano says, apology. I suppose a properly inclusive term is meatbags. <laughs> but also that droid on that Xbox Star Wars game, that um, Old Republic game, used the term meatbags. Oh, uh, what, HK-47? HK-47, that's right, that's right. I forgot, I'd forgotten all about him. All right, anyway, so yeah, Happy New Year. 2019, here we are. Steve, good holidays. Your first holidays as a married man. Yeah, it was a great time. We had we had a lot of fun, and um, and I was gifted not not by the wife or anything, but I I, I was gifted by a, an anonymous stranger a box of Marvel Legends. Oh, Ooh, sweet! Okay, yeah. well we're not opening. Nice. Toy, well, I'm just saying. Toy box just yet. You asked. That, that, that's the end of the show. We'll open. You guys yeah. can play with your toys at the end of the show. I want to hear what you got at the end. Okay. All right. Well, I'll let you know. <laughs> now we're gonna race through everything just so you guys can talk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where the passion lies. That's right. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's listeners fast forwarding right now just to get to the toy box at the end. No, no. I'll tell you this. If anything, the 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 Patreon community, because I do this with Shaz as well with our Forceology. Uh, class that we do um we'll sit and talk for 20 25 minutes sometimes 30 minutes before we actually get into the the star wars stuff and people love to make the jokes about how it's like here i am 30 minutes in and we're still talking about masters of the universe toys where's star wars 
That's awesome. Shaz Bazaar. Shaz Bazaar. Shaz Bazaar. Well, it might be like an hour before we get to Young Justice tonight. There's so mm-hmm. much awesome geekery to talk about. Indeed. Gosh, there is. Indeed there is, Arish. Indeed there is. Um, Let's just dive in because we, we started talking about this before before we started recording. You know, the new Captain Marvel footage. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday, last night during the 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 NCAA championship game, some cool new posters released today. I understand there's like a behind the scenes video that I hear is really good that I haven't had a chance to watch. Yet. The, if it's the one they aired, uh, if it's the one they aired during halftime, it's it's all right. I mean, it's just kind of explaining a little bit about the character and and where she comes from it shows just sign, kind of you know it's almost like what what disney has started doing with some of their properties like the like lucasfilm and marvel and started doing some of these behind the scenes almost sizzle reel type things right um almost like a very short dvd featurette um mm. and uh and so or like the web featurettes of old and so you see brie larson talking about her character and what she loves about being captain marvel and that sort of thing carol danvers um but the yeah the the trailer that was released during the third quarter of the championship game uh, actually kind of broke down the story a lot and and they actually said the name scroll like they used mm-hmm. the term scroll which was really cool to me as well mm-hmm. as um, as well as kind of getting to see a lot of uh, interactions with Samuel L Jackson Phil Coulson is around. Um, mm-hmm. there's a great moment. I, was it in the trailer or was it, um, in the behind the scenes footage where she puts on the shield hat and she's like, is this how you have a covert operation by putting your logo on random clothing? Yeah, that was the trailer. <laughs> and, uh, he's like, I don't know. Is it like flying around a big rubber suit? Yep. So it just, you know, classic, it's become that classic Marvel way of, doing a movie, you know, of of having the humor in there as well as what appears to be just a great amount of adaptation of stuff from the comics that we've come to know and love. Well, it works. I think so. I, I think so. Um Adam, you you've done a lot of work on in uh in breaking down some of these characters of the Marvel universe and everything and and, and spent some time getting to know some of these people. What is your take on, on what we're seeing out of the Captain Marvel right now? Um, well, I love what I've seen so far. Um, they still haven't told us who um, Jude Law is. Uh, so we don't know whether he's uh, a good guy or a bad guy. There's, there is an action figure for him, but... Um, it's it's got a mask on and it i don't know if he even gives his name i think it gives more of his um his his rank but uh i i i I think whoever jude law turns out to be that's going to be an important part of uh the plot which is why it's kind of left left out um but yeah i think uh like we were talking, I think it's. I think uh, I'm excited because I think it's gonna. It's gonna give us uh, a window more. It's gonna expand the part of the universe where the Guardians of the Galaxy and where you know Asgard and all these you know aliens and space stuff sits. We're gonna learn a, a little bit more about um, 
about uh, Ronan and uh, his backstory and uh, gosh I forget um, his uh, lieutenant there yeah Jaiman Hansu's character yeah, yeah we'll we'll learn about him uh, reportedly um, so that's gonna be cool to uh, see um, who the the MCU's take on the Kree mm-hmm. we've gotten the um, in Agents of Shield we we've gotten a, quite a lot. Um, of the Cree uh, from the Marvel television side, uh, and uh, given the way Marvel TV and the the MCU is actually very separate, um, it'll be interesting to see if they ma- how they how those two mat- sides of it matched up. Yeah, I was um, I was watching something today where someone was going through the the confirmed Marvel Legends figures for 2019. And I'm sorry to bring it back to toys, but in, <laughs> in, in that they were talking about Jude Law's character and said that, that he's now been confirmed, and I forget what they said his name was, but on I am he's Marvel. Okay, it? but see, that's not what the person said today um, on, on the video I was watching, but on IMDb, he's still listed as Marvel. Um. And with that Captain Marvel wave, and I don't know if this is just because because with some of the MCU waves that they do, these figures, they will sometimes release a couple of just straight up comic figures. For example, they've got the Gray Gargoyle in that in that upcoming wave, as well as this other Kree warrior, uh, Genis Vale. Ah, uh, yes. And yes. And Genis Vale is actually. As I recall in the comics, the son of Marvel, uh, who was once Captain Marvel, who, he's the original Captain Marvel in Marvel Comics, and then um, and then Genis Vale would come along and take on the mantle of Captain Marvel, and then Legacy, and then he'd be Photon as well. But um, but yeah, so I don't know if that's just if that's just comics or if he's actually going to be showing up in the MCU. I I tend to think it's just based on the comic appearance of that character my my honest hunch i think it's likely that they're going to even combine a couple of characters Mm -hmm. uh into one character for jude law Mm -hmm. and my hunch is he's going to end up being a villain well yeah i think so too okay then i definitely hope that he is not um Marvel. I hope that that doesn't come to pass because I I I, I don't it, call me a, a comic book purist or whatever, but I would hate for the MCU to go down that path where they completely I don't know they almost did it with the Mandarin, you know? Yeah. And and right. and to me, Marvel is a little bit more important than even the Mandarin, especially if you're a comic book fan from way back, because he did become kind of the one. He's he and Uncle Ben are the two characters that just will not come back from the dead that will never be brought back from the dead. And um, I should I I should just interrupt you in uh, full disclosure um, because I did uh, though I'm the author of the upcoming uh, Marvel Studios character encyclopedia and mm-hmm. there is a section of um, Captain Marvel movie characters. 
Um, and the page uh, with uh, Captain Marvel and uh, the Scroll guy, what's his name? Name uh, did get posted on Amazon over Christmas, okay. which got a little bit of notice from some of the, the the entertainment press. I did not actually write the Captain Marvel section; that okay. was done in house at DK, as often happens with upcoming movies. Um, so I don't myself; I don't have any inside knowledge of of. The movie itself so i'm saying all this is speculation well i'm I, so happy that i'm on a podcast with somebody else who has to do the disclaimer comment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i try i try to remember to do it because i'm always afraid somebody with disney's gonna get mad and think i'm spilling secrets that i don't actually me know. too my friend me too <laughs> well and i and and to be fair and eric you know this i do try to be very um uh conscious of not trying to dig out too much stuff ever and and oh that that's that's not what i'm saying but it's it, it's important to just say that up front because right. you know you don't want to give the knows, appearance that somebody is going to hear us say and take it out of context right right and, and you know it, and and in all honesty it has happened to me before not necessarily on a podcast but where something i said was taken out of context and ruffled some feathers so I'm just very conscious of it now. Yeah. yeah, I I do it on Twitter too periodically if I fear I might have gone somewhere sensitive. Just I they are I don't that. yeah I don't speculate about things that I actually know. That would be dumb. It's just I speculate because it's the stuff I don't know. Don't touch it. It's evil. <laughs> yeah. Well, Talos is the Cree. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean the scroll, the not the Cree, the scroll. You know, and and that just thought of something. There's a couple of things, Adam. You mentioned we've seen this the Cree in in the uh, Agents of Shield television series, and we've right. seen the Cree not being very nice in the Agents of Shield. Right. But they're also blue, and and yeah. and this takes me back to not all of them are in the not all of them. Some of them were some of them were more white than blue. Like they, there were different complexions to them. In the You're uh, talking agents of shield. In agents of shield. Yeah, agents of shield. I don't remember any that weren't blue. Any non-blue Cree. Oh, Erich is right. There's um, there's like a powdery whitish blue, and then there's like really sky blue, and there's, yeah, but there I, are different shades, yeah. and different patterns. Right. We do see scene in the Captain Marvel trailer. Where Brie Larson's got a bloody nose and it's not red blood. Right. Oh, right. That's well, but I'm I'm bringing this up because there, with the Cree, there are the two, and obviously they're varying shades among the <laughs> among the race. But you know, you've got your blue, you got your pink, basically Cree, and when you get into their culture. Um, it almost becomes like the white and green Martian kind of thing. Right. Um, and so. The interesting thing from Guardians of the Galaxy is Jaiman Hunsu is Kree. Yes. And he's black, obviously. He, he doesn't have face paint or anything. Right. The, and now, isn't Ronan wait. the accuser Kree also? Yeah, he's a Kree. Yep. Now, wait a minute. Who was Jaiman Hunsu? He's. Um, Remember uh, at the beginning of Guardians, the guy who's like who first confronts Star-Lord, and he's like, Star who? 
Yes. You know, he's got like the the metal thing on his face that okay. gets pulled out the battle at the end. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because originally uh, those guys were said to be Sakaran warriors. And of course, this was before Thor Ragnarok and everything. And it was just kind of a nod to that planet. Is that has well, has that been that's, undone? That that's his uh, his alien uh, soldiers, his uh, mercenary army. Mm-hmm. Those are the Sakaran, and that got really confusing when I had to write books that included um, Ragnarok and Guardians of the Galaxy right. because you've got the aliens on, you've got the people on Sakar, and those are Sakarans, and you've got the Ronin's alien soldiers, and they're Sakarans. So I looked at the scripts, and actually they were spelled. Uh, there was a different, slight difference in spelling. So oh, wow. I tried to keep that up in books, but it was so confusing. Well, I'll tell you this. Here I am. I'm at Ronan, Acuner, uh, Ronan the Accuser's page here in the Marvel Studios Visual Dictionary, written by the aforementioned uh-huh. Adam Bray. And uh-huh. uh, here is Korath the Pursuer was his name. Yeah. And he's, he's Ronan's most trusted ally. He is genetically and cybernetically enhanced Kree operative who volunteered for an experimental Kree weapons program. Super strong, relentless Korath trained with two of Thanos' adopted daughters, Gamora and Nebula, enduring similar biotech upgrades as them. Commanding a platoon of Sakaran soldiers, Korath is sent to retrieve the orb from the planet Morag, but outwitted by Star-Lord. That's some good writing. Um, Thank you. And then, yeah, the Sakarans. Several several races originated on the junk planet Sakar, the insectoid humans known simply as Sakarans, resented the local scrappers, disturbing their hives, and immigrated off-world. The four-finger soldiers cast are hermaphrodites and are born in hives maintained by queens. Why well, would have never known that? All right. And I made that all up myself to try to keep it straight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm well, kind of well, proud of that. Well, well <laughs> done, Show sir. how the sausage is made. <laughs> I tell you what, well done. Because yeah. oh. all the wikis were, it was a mess on all the fan wikis, so I had to try to straighten mm-hmm. it all out. Okay, well... I tell you what's going to have to happen from now on on Super Saturday. We're going to pull one of Adam's books down, and we're going to do a quick reading <laughs> and see and see if see if we can get some behind the scenes in that moment in time. That's great. Okay. Well, see, I didn't realize. I thought that he was supposed to be a Sakaran. I didn't realize he was a Cree. So that's different than than the comic situation then. Um, Let's let's keep one other thing in mind. Anything involving Skrulls, it it may not always be what it seems. Right. You know, our our Jude Law friend there could be a Skrull. You know, all sorts of things could be going on. Yeah. This is why yep. it's kind of dangerous introducing the scrolls. Well, that's and that's and that's my thing. You've got to be very careful. And of course, I trust the the so I trust I. the folks at at uh at the Marvel at Marvel Studios, but you've got to be careful because you can end up going a little too far as I feel Marvel Comics did uh with the Secret Invasion. I feel like Secret Invasion was almost a step too far uh mm-hmm. in the direction they took it, but um I still got a gut feeling that that's where the MCU is going. Mm. Well, know. you know, one of the one of the deleted scene or one of the credits end scenes is it's going to have to be 
there's a scroll left somewhere pretending to be someone, probably one of the Avengers or something. It's just, it's almost inevitable. But I, but if they're truly going to go there, is that where, um, would they reveal that before Endgame? You know, I feel like that's, that's the big twist at the end of Endgame, if they're going to do it. Yeah, I, I could see it like an end credit scene on that. I think it'll be somewhere. It's too irresistible. Uh, are Do you guys think that what we're going to get in Captain Marvel is, is kind of... Obviously, we're setting up her relationship with Nick Fury so that he would have a pager that would page her. Um, and, and setting up the character and kind of getting her origin and everything... But are we going to get a little bit of the Kree Scroll War light? Do you think? I mean, like that—that's a big. I think so. I mean, yeah, I, I think that's, that's we, what I anticipate. You know, we're seeing stuff in the trailer of Captain Marvel flying through space and blasting what looks like some kind of alien armada and stuff. You know, I think that there could be some of that involved here. Mm-hmm. And and of course I say light because the Kree Scroll War story arc, I mean, spanned eight eight or nine issues back in the early seventies um, of the Avengers, and and so you're talking about you're talking about a lot of ground that could be covered, you know, um, yeah. with this to introduce this character. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, what look what what kind of world do we live in where we're talking about? Guys, do you think we're getting a little bit of the Kree Scroll War here? I mean, that's <laughs> that's so amazing. Before, right before we went on air, you you asked, what did you ask? Something about Marvel and the X Men, Steve. I was I was saying that I don't know about the Disney Fox deal and what that's leading to because I was getting ready to make a Fantastic Four point, but and and you said you just read something today. Yep, because uh, you know obviously the Golden Globes were Sunday night. And with Black Panther nominated for Best Picture, Kevin Feige was there and uh, obviously did a bunch of interviews on the red carpet. And somebody asked him about the X-Men characters, and this is his response, and this is all quote. It's not just the marquee names you know. There are hundreds of names on those documents, on those agreements. The fact that Marvel is now as close as we may ever be to having access to all of the characters is something I've been dreaming about for my almost 20 years at Marvel. It's very exciting. Mm. So I think that pretty much tells you right there that, you know, Marvel has access to at least the, the whole X-Men universe. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and I would assume that Fantastic Four, because that's a Fox property as well, is part of that. Well, yeah, and that's that's the thing. I I really feel like with I know everyone's excited about the X Men because everyone loves Wolverine, yeah. um, but I am I'm just stoked about the idea of the Fantastic Four because then you're getting into things like uh, Galactus, you know, and Galactus done right, but yes. even more importantly, Doctor Doom, Doctor Doom, right. yeah, exactly. And so and so I guess because after you get past. Avengers Endgame. Where do you go? You know what? What threat can possibly X-Men versus Avengers? <laughs> oh. 
Sweet. Which version of that? I, you know, I, yeah, I mean, that's cool. That'd be great. But I you- just, I just want Doctor Doom because Doctor Doom is going to step foot into the MCU and make every villain we've had so far look like kindergartners. I would if hope they so. Do him correctly. I would hope so. And and then you could also end up doing a a, a Secret Wars, you know, a mm. uh, couple of things. I mean, like the 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 possibilities are endless. But I just think of like you know what's going to seem like a big enough threat after this whole Thanos Infinity War thing, and I I don't think we're going to know what uh, the big threat is for a while. I think they'll do um, what they did originally, and they'll they'll roll it out slowly. Mm-hmm. I think we're not going to know for several more, more movies what the threat is. But I think I think the end credit scene. Um, in Avengers is going to just give us a give us cameos of who the next um, additions to the Marvel universe are going to be. Now I'm going to I'm going to predict that we're going to get an end credit scene with Hugh Jackman, and it may he may not ever have a a, a Wolverine movie, you know, with mm-hmm. with the MCU. But I think he's going to be in a deleted in a end oh. credit scene, and I think we're going to get an end credit scene that's going to. You know, even if it's like a shadow of the thing or, you know, light coming off a Johnny Storm or something, I think we're going to get something for the for the Fantastic Four. Well, I'm telling you, with the Fantastic Four, all you need is the cityscape of New York and then all of a sudden, you know, a flare, a, a, a flare going up into the sky and bursting into a four. Yeah. You know? I, I, Adam, I, I'm sorry. I, I got to disagree with you on both of those. I think okay. it's I think it's way too soon for X-Men or Fantastic Four. I mean, I, I believe the ink isn't even technically dry yet on this, mm-hmm. these contracts. And we're talking about a movie that's coming out in, in four or five months. I think that, you know, the, the brilliance of Marvel is that they're not shooting from the seat of their pants. They've mm-hmm. got this stuff mapped out. Right. They know where they're going with things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that well, you're right. We'll get an end credit scene that will set up where the next possibly ten years of the Marvel MCU is of the MCU is going. Mm-hmm. I think it's far too soon for that to be X Men or Fantastic Four related. I think those properties are going to come later. I don't. I don't think they'll be the next movies, um, but I think. And they may not even, uh, apart from like Hugh Jackman, uh, they may not even have actors in mind. Uh, well, I don't think they would have actors in mind for um, Fantastic Four. But I, I just kind of think there, there's going to be some kind of hint if if they are at the stage where they legally, you know, own it, where it, it's yeah. final by then. I think there. I I just have this feeling there's going to be some last minute. Um, scene, you know, that it may be filmed, you know, like two weeks before, you know, the film reels or I guess they're digital now go out to theaters. But I yeah. think it would be be very last minute and very, um, not, you know, not not the final thing, but just 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 enough so the audience kind of knows what they're seeing, but right. it's it's not clear. But see, here's another thought on it: when we got the first Joss Whedon Avengers movie. And it ended with that shot of Thanos. Mm-hmm. We were all like, "What? 
Yeah. You know, mind blown. Like, what is going on? Like, they're going to do the Infinity Gauntlet story. Like, we got all excited. Right. And, but at that point, we'd only had a few movies. Right. You know, we, we weren't seeing this big picture thing. But since that point, we've now had... It's almost more common for... In the standalone character movies, for other characters to be in those movies with them. Mm-hmm. You know, we've seen Iron Man in a Spider Man movie. We've seen Hulk in a Thor movie. We've basically, I mean, Captain America 3 was basically Avengers 2 and a half. Right. Right. Um, so I think that, that doing something like, I think that they're thinking in the, the post credits, and we may not even get a post credit scene. Maybe they're just going to change things up and be like, you know what? Oh, gosh. Endgame is the end of of this phase we're starting something <laughs> entirely new no more post credits and how mad will every other movie studio uh, be we'll freak out we'll freak out yeah but but i just think that this is the way that kevin feige and the, and the marvel team think they're they're one step ahead of us all the time so i think they're not gonna. They're not gonna do an X Men or a Fantastic Four thing. I think if we get a credit scene, it's gonna be very subtle, hmm. or it might just simply be something that leads into the next Spider Man movie. Right. Well, that's yeah. It, that's the thing is, is I don't expect anything super major as far as like, oh my gosh, a jaw dropping moment. The the thing about Thanos at the end of the Avengers, in that mid credit sequence was. It was it was the promise of what was to come, and mm-hmm. and and really, when you listen to Kevin Feige talk about the way everything was set up, you know, you've got to go back to the very first mention of the Avengers in the Iron Man post credit sequence. Yeah, the Avengers and, initiative, and, and so and and Feige even said that's just something we threw in there for fun. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and you know, saying well, maybe it could happen one day. And and then they do uh, the Incredible Hulk and have Robert Downey Jr. show up in it, and then they do Iron Man two, and you know, and and Iron Man two was we're getting everything set. Iron Man two was a vehicle to set up these movies to go into the broader universe, yeah. so that when you got to Thor and you got his origin and you and you learned to like him and you learned what that was all about and you got to Captain America to roll right into Avengers that you were ready to go. Like you had your big players on the board. And, right. and so, so coming out of that first Avengers, it was, it really was what's next. And they did a great job. I thought of treating phase two as we're not forgetting that Thanos is out there, but what we're focusing on still are the stories of these characters so you mm-hmm. had, you know, the biggest movie between Avengers and Avengers Age of Ultron was really, in my opinion, Captain America Winter Soldier because they completely yes. undid the structure of S.H.I.E.L.D. and everything else um, that had been the backdrop for everything leading into Avengers. And, um, and so that when you hit Age of Ultron, it's a big deal, you know, that the mm-hmm. helicarrier shows up and that Nick Fury is there and there are agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. actually working still again and that sort of thing. And it was just a really... They they learned to plan things out. But I did hear Feige say this when it came time for Civil War and Spider-Man was brought in. 
He said that with all of their pro- projects, they always have the contingency of if they're able to get a character, if they're able to get this property back. You know, like right. he said, that's always mm-hmm. been there, and that they can, as long as it's not too far in development, turn on a dime to include some of these characters. So. Uh, you know, even though the ink may still not be dry, it it wouldn't surprise me to see them start to try to drop some hints at least and surprise us just with little things here and there. Like where was it? Where was it? Ant Man, where they were talking about where he's doing where um Michael Pena is doing one of his fast little monologues and he's like. We got guys that can fly. We got guys that can stick yeah. to walls. We got guys that do. And yeah. it's like you hear him basically mention Spider-Man. And this is right. before we knew that was coming in Civil War, you know. And yeah. so mm-hmm. so it wouldn't surprise me to see them sure. start to drop little hints and stuff like that at the very least. I just yeah. think that, that, that what I was trying to say was with the fa- the first Thanos thing at the end of the first Avengers film, that was laying the groundwork for we have a much much bigger yes. story that we're going to tell mm-hmm. you guys yes right you know there this is all connected this is all going to matter whereas when we get to now where we are now i mean look at the conversation that we're having right here on the greatest podcast network in the world it's about you know what are their next stories going to be are they going to be able to bring in a villain that's as big as Thanos? <laughs> and all? like mm-hmm. we're we are already in we haven't even gotten to Endgame yet. There's a movie before Endgame, and we're already talking about like what the next ten years is going to be afterwards. Yeah, they don't need to give us that Thanos scene anymore. Like we're doing the that's work. That's true. We're them. doing the work for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you're right, and that's a great point, Eric. Because I'm telling you, as a Marvel fan, as a lifelong, I think I think that even though I didn't start collecting comics till I was like ten or eleven, I can say lifelong Marvel fan. Sitting there when when that when Thanos turned his head and smiled, I was blown to the back of the, the room. I thought I'd already seen something that I was not supposed to see in the Avengers. Like I was just like, someone's gonna come and shut this movie down and tell us this is not supposed to be happening. Right. You know, <laughs> I was I was absolutely gobsmacked by the Avengers. Loved every frame of that movie. And then to have Thanos turn around. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. There's no way this is real life. And and so, yeah, you're right. They don't have to do that anymore because we're just kind of, we're doing the work for them. We're like, oh, what if they do this? What if they do that? What if they do this? Yeah, that's a great point. That is a fantastic well, point. And I think the other thing that I want to bring up when you were, when you started talking about, well, what's good, how are they going to top Thanos? Like, I think part of it is, all they got to do is go back to the comics because we've seen Marvel like have to one up themselves like year after year after year with their big event storylines. That's true. That's true. Right. And and it doesn't even necessarily need to be something as galaxy shaking as Thanos. I mean, if they just did like Inferno, that could be really cool. Oh, shut or, your shut your you mouth, know, Inferno. <laughs> I'm just. Look, there's there's uh, there's a bunch of other smaller stories sure. that they could do. Oh, sure. Um, and then obviously, once they've incorporated, if they do intend to incorporate the X Men into it, then you can go with some of the bigger. You know, Phoenix then becomes a bigger thing that everybody has mm-hmm. to deal with, or mm-hmm. Apocalypse 
do Apocalypse Right or do Onslaught or something yes, like that. Yes. Well, you I, know, or even turn Magneto into like the big huge bad guy mm-hmm. for a while. Well, here's the thing: if you're able to bring X Men and Fantastic Four in, and you're able to get your villains Magneto, Doctor Doom, you're able to get the evil, the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, you're able to, uh, you're able to somehow bring Loki back from the dead because he's getting his own TV show apparently on Disney Plus. Um, yeah. you know, you're able to get some of these bigger villains that we've had. What about an acts of vengeance movie yeah. where, where it's just the villains, you know, seeking revenge for what's been, or an acts of vengeance, like phase, you know, like phase right. six or phase seven is the acts of vengeance. I, that kind of stuff just gets me jazzed thinking about yeah. dreaming about that, you know? Yeah, and also I think the other thing, Irish, is, and and I thought you were about to say this, and so I wasn't. I was, was going to keep my mouth shut and not step on you. The one thing that has been so well done in all of these Marvel movies is the investment that they've gotten us to make in character, mm-hmm. and so we're willing to go wherever the story takes us, regardless of how big it is. You know, based on these characters, you you think of something like, um, I, well, the joke has been for me is they got you to care about a tree. You know, mm-hmm. they got you to care about an ant for crying out loud, an ant man, talking raccoon, a talking mm-hmm. raccoon. So, what can they not do? You know, if they tell these stories right, we're going to be invested in these characters and go along the, for the ride with with these characters that that come about it. And I think that's going to be the key to the success of the Marvel movies going forward, as it has been up to this mm-hmm. point. You know, Infinity War wouldn't have been the gut punch that Infinity War was had we not. Been in love with and we every fallen single. In love with all of the every characters. single one of right. them. Every single one of them. Yeah, for there sure. There wasn't a character there that you didn't care about. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. Exactly right. So we say all that to say Captain Marvel's coming in March, and I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I already have my tickets. Saturday morning, March 9th. Indeed, indeed. Um, did you guys see Aquaman? <laughs> oh, yeah. you know we did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cue it. Cue the song up, baby. Oh, what? I forgot what the song's supposed to be. Ocean to Ocean. I don't think I know Ocean to Ocean, Irish. Oh, just look it up. It's a treat. It's a treat. You're not talking about the Ocean to Ocean. The Pitbull song. Oh, the Pitbull song. Okay, well, here it is. Oh, yeah. They On played, the album. They played it for like two seconds when they go to uh, the desert. They also played some Greta Van Fleet in there for about two seconds. When uh, let's see, which of these movies would you consider seeing in theaters? None of the above. Huh? They tried to get rid of me, but from ocean to ocean, they gonna have to deal with me. I've been overlooked, slept on, stepped on, left for dead, always against all eyes like Pac said. I'm the living great Gatsby, but these boys are watching quick and disappear like Banksy. From ocean to ocean, sea to sea, I'm something that you gotta see. All right, I do remember that. I can't that. see it, but I just have a huge smile on my face. Do you have a huge <laughs> smile so on your face? Because I'm kind of ticked off about that, to be honest with you. I just, Pitbull's just so ridiculous. <laughs> I love it. I love that someone calls himself Pitbull. That's what I love. <laughs> that I love being the old fogey that's like, who calls ourselves Pitbull? <laughs> have you seen Weezer do Africa with Weird Al? 
Uh, or or oh Weird, Weird Al is basically so. all of Weezer, but they're doing the cover. And the video is Weird Al, like, de- dressed up as each of them. Or maybe just the lead singer. Here's their version of it, by the way. I'm sorry, we're now digressing into stuff that we... It's what we do. This is Weezer covering Africa. I hear the drums are going tonight But she hears only whispers of some quiet conversation And yeah, the video is Weird Al She's coming dressed up as the lead singer of Weezer doing it. Well, you know the song has become massively popular. Well, everything old is new again. Yeah, but this one in particular, especially in social media and the interwebs and the the younger kids, my nephews freaking love the song. Why? I don't know. It's just become really popular again. That's crazy. Anyhow, yes, Aquaman. Aquaman! Um, I I thought it was fun. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. Fantastic. Uh, I, I got, uh, look, it got too goofy for me at times. It was, it was, I, the sub, the in, in, intro scene in the sub was, it was a little corny at times. Oh, I love the intro um, scene in the sub. Well, it's, to me, it, it all, all of it, start to finish, felt like it came from the pages of a comic book, and that's why I loved it. Yes, and could could forgive everything in it, even if it wasn't quite right. Um, but oh, so overall, I loved it. Um, I thought the the digit digitizing the de aging um, of the two in the beginning didn't quite work with um, what's her name Nicole Kidman mm-hmm. the funny thing is the way oh, she I thought looks... it worked worse with Tamara Morrison oh yeah I thought he was better and she was worse but I thought thing, he was funny... just wearing a wig to be honest with you <laughs> well the funny thing about her is I mean she looks she she looks like 20 30 years younger younger than she is i mean nicole kidman doesn't age so it's funny when they reveal her as her current age i thought they should have just shown her that way in the beginning because she she looks you know young um so i I didn't know why they they bothered with the de-aging with her but that was fine again it was fine you know i i had so much fun the whole movie i didn't really care that's, I really, I really enjoyed Jason Momoa. I, I thought he was great as Aquaman. I, he's got great charisma. He's just fun to watch. It looked like he was having a good time. I believed in his character. It was just some of the underwater, the undersea world building. I mean, come on, when we get to the crab people at the end, that was just a little bit too much for me. <laughs> well, it's science fiction, comic book stuff. I love yeah. what you said, Adam. That it seemed like. The the more the movie went along, you realized I'm reading a comic book on screen, right, and exactly. And, and honestly, it's what they have been trying to capture with superhero movies since the early 2000s uh, with mm. Spider Man. I mean, I remember even Ang Lee's Hulk. You know, he'd do his cutscenes to mimic frames of a comic book, and mm. even then, he didn't catch the whole feeling of actually reading a comic book because of the pacing of that movie was so weird and everyone whispered. But here... Everything in that movie was weird. Everything in that movie yeah. was very weird. Uh, did not have the intensity that a Hulk movie should have. But anyhow, you you get to Aquaman and yeah, the pacing is set that way. I mean, you're just boom, 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 one thing to another. 
I feel like from from some people that I saw, it was a little bit overhyped in there, and you know, and I was kind of surprised that the response was as positive as people were putting out there. But I had a lot of fun, and there were a lot of cool mm-hmm. little nods to things that I absolutely loved. Whenever he would talk to the fish, um, like the circle thing would go out from his head, there'd be that wave from his head, and that just so much reminded me of yeah. of the Super Friends. And I kept waiting for him to just give a little you know kind of thing. Um, <laughs> And who was expecting uh, Willem Dafoe to turn bad at some point? Not me. I was. I'm like, Willem Dafoe can't be in a movie and be the good guy the whole time. This isn't, this isn't, uh, oh, what's the movie in Boston? Did what's some Boondock Saints? I did see Platoon a long time ago. He, st- oh, he, he was, was the, the good, good guy. guy That's that. true. That's right. I thought Charlie Sheen was a good guy in that. Well, but he was the one who almost got martyred. Okay. Yeah. It's been so long he was since Charlie I saw Charlie Sheen's mentor. Well, I I kept expecting him to like be the one to turn around and, and go bad, but I was glad he didn't. You know, yeah. That they the sub- first the, the first half I thought he might go bad. The second half I was. Oh kidding. yeah, there was a point where I'm like, okay, yeah, he's in it for the long haul here. He's he's putting his life on the line for these people. Um, but yeah. I, I was confused with some continuity things, and I've got to go back and watch Justice League still to figure it out. I thought Aquaman had been to Atlantis. I thought he, he did, and I wait, thought, wait, yeah, because he has in Justice League. There's that whole scene in the bubble with Mira. Yeah, he's in, but and like, he had met her too. Yeah, but they act like here this was the first time they really yeah, met. Yeah, I, I noticed that too, and that disappointed me a little bit. Yeah. It's like, come on, get your continuity also, straight. And this is just one of my my general things. When you're doing a movie about a character in in a world where the other characters have been established to exist, mm-hmm. and there is a cataclysmic event, such as tidal waves hitting every single coast around the world, that's something that's going to draw the attention of Superman or Wonder Woman. Yeah, right? yeah. And we don't need to see them, but we could have just seen like a TV screen in the background with like you know a CNN. Like, you know, and a red blur flying across the screen, like Superman in Southern California helping tidal wave victims or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. or or Superman, you know, in Metropolis, Superman is still cleaning up, is still help, assisting with the cleanup in yeah, Metropolis. just to show that this, this global catastrophe was being addressed by other members of the Justice It's League. It's also a right. missed opportunity to have someone, you know, again, one of those background Easter egg things to say, in Coast City, you know, mysteriously, uh, eyewitnesses are saying the things were held back with a green wave of energy of some, you know, yeah. like, mm-hmm. you know, you could you could go ahead and give the Green Lantern a bit of a nod there or something and, and, yeah. and, yeah. Kind, of, and kind of have that Easter egg in there. But I don't, the Warner Brothers plans for dc are so up in the air now it seems like i don't like. think there are plans and i think they're just throwing darts against the wall <laughs> and, and that's unfortunate but I, it, it's like monkeys picking stocks is jeff johns in charge of their stuff now is he is he taking control of the movie side no, of things no there is um i mean he is involved in stuff but they brought somebody new in about a year ago mm-hmm. and i don't remember the person's name but this this person they brought in was supposed to come in and kind of, you know, disassemble the Snyderverse and turn it into something else. Yeah. But the the thing that they're doing is, and I think it's kind of interesting. It's like, okay, you know what? Let Marvel do the big shared universe. 
we're just going to do interesting stories involving our characters. And that's certainly what mm-hmm. it looks like they're doing with, you know, Aquaman. I, I, Wonder Woman 2 will clearly be some sort of sequel to Wonder Woman, maybe not mm-hmm. attached to BVS or Justice League. Uh, but then you've got two Joker movies in the works. You know, the, the Joaquin Phoenix one is definitely more along the way than the Jared Leto thing. Mm-hmm. Then there's um, there's uh, Birds of Prey, which is definitely in the works. Um, which is, I think, the woman who wrote Bumblebee is writing Birds of Prey. Okay. Hmm. Um, you know, they're just it, obviously sh- uh, Shazam. Shazam. Um, Shazam. <laughs> they're just, you know, it's all these weird different things that aren't necessarily right. connected. And I think that that's just the approach they're going to take for a little while and see what works. Well, I think it's a good idea to do that because what you do is you allow people to get invested in the characters that you're presenting. Um, You know, Shazam looks to be fun. It looks to be a very fun superhero movie. Joker, I'm not sure what is going on with that. Like, that's just a weird project to me. It's his origin story. Yeah. Yeah, and so... It's we'll not see. something that interests me at all, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I'm interested just because of the talent involved. In mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix is going to be very interesting. Um, you know, we we don't know if they're going to bring if they're going to end up doing the Flash. I guess. I, you know, I don't think so. Um, that that has been stopped and started yeah. so many times. There's been so many different people that have come and gone from it. I, I think now. I don't see how they don't do an Aquaman 2. Just because of the sheer box office that it brought in. Exactly. And I I think that what you have to do is, honestly, I think they built up a lot of goodwill for Superman in Justice League. A lot of people came away loving Henry Cavill as Superman. And, And I think that you need to work quickly, not sloppy, but quickly to to get Superman back on the big screen in a movie. But see, the rumor there is that Henry Cavill is out as Superman. Well, I know that's the problem, you know, and and it's and, and that's who a, knows what's happening with Batman. I think Batman's you know, Matt dead. Reeves is on working on it, but is Ben Affleck? No, I think I think not? no, I think Affleck is out completely. I think I think Affleck is absolutely done, um, and that's unfortunate. I do like- I do applaud the shift in tone that we're seeing. Yes. Yeah. You know, we saw it. It started with Wonder Woman. It continued with Aquaman. It looks like it's definitely continuing with Shazam. You know, the, the, they're become, like like Adam so uh, uh, correctly said. It's like we're watching a comic book. That's mm-hmm. what these movies should be. They shouldn't be dark and heavy and depressing and and like scary. It should be fun. And just maybe not without a huge army of talking crab people. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe that you didn't like the, the crab people, Eric. So I'm, I'm and, just surprised that and, that was uh, the point. That road warrior Nicole Kidman hanging out in the, <laughs> in the middle of, the, of our world with, mm. dinosaurs. with dinosaurs. With dinosaurs, yeah. Yep. I kind of like the, the Gartham, those dark crystal crab people. Yeah, I I didn't have a problem with it till Eris mentioned. Then I'm like, yeah, I guess that was kind of weird. And I think it's just because they weren't really I, I, it's roaring sharks too. <laughs> I, I'm fine with them riding battle sharks and all that stuff, but roaring. I'm sorry. Have you never watched Jaws? <laughs> I don't 
Naked roaring sharks. Uh, How about the oct- the drummer octopus? That weirdly didn't bother me. <laughs> it didn't bother me either. I thought it was fun. <laughs> I don't know why I have a, a problem with talking crab people army, but a drum playing <laughs> well, octopus. That's, uh, yeah, see, with. that's where I was trying to get to here. Is like, is like it just amazes me that your cut your cutoff line was the crab people. Like, <laughs> like were you ever were you bothered with the fish people at all? No. Okay. See, I feel like it's a weird place to draw your line, Irish. Yeah. <laughs> but the fish people were still sort of because it's the whole mermaid thing. You already you know, accepted half man, you, half fish, sort of. Yeah, you've accepted but the that crap people were just so far devolved from because all these different kingdoms supposedly started from Atlantis. Right. From humans. Yeah. And they were just so far devolved from the origin that it just went too far for me. Well, there is on the DC Universe app um, that they have uh, not only like Peter David's Aquaman run and um, and who followed him up on that back in the 90s. I forget who followed him up with that. But they also have uh, something called and I've got to find it here so I can remind myself of what it was, but it was, um, it's a story that basically explains how this all happened. And it's, um, it's, uh, it's Peter David. No, this one was written by someone else. This is called the Atlantis Chronicles. Oh, I thought Peter David did a, uh, did an Atlantis thing. Well, Peter kind of based a lot of this. Peter David wrote Aquaman. And, and so where you get into ocean master, and the origins of Aquaman and everything, that's a lot of Peter David-based stuff, uh, as well as New 52 stuff. The, the Atlantis Chronicles were written by Esteban Maroto um, back in the 90s, and it's just it was a miniseries that kind of gets into the history of Atlantis, how they fell, how all these different creatures came about from that, you know, these different versions of everyone came about from that. Um, and it's, you know, it's a little, it's kind of, mythological heavy reading but it's you know it, it fills in some of those gaps if you're interested enough to go check it out on the on the DC Universe app they based part of this movie also on uh Jeff Johns relaunched Aquaman as part of the new 52 right yes and the first four issues of that series mm-hmm. was an art called the trench yes um and so those four issues are on the DC Universe app also, and they're mm-hmm. worth reading because there's a lot of parallels between those and what we see in the movie. Yeah. So yeah, it was it, it was fun. I, I you know, I, I definitely liked it more than Justice League. Okay. Adam, well, I've Justice never... League didn't have a Pitbull song in it. That's true. So that that hurt it also. But I think I see. I think you've skipped Justice League where they you know the tonal shift was there as well. You know, as, as it, it was, it, but not to this degree. Well, sure. I think that I think the Justice League is where it started even more than Wonder Woman, because you've got you've got Batman making jokes. Even. I, I, I got a lot of other issues with Justice League. I so. don't I don't know why you don't like Justice League. It's just a fun, quaint little movie. <laughs> It's not a fun, pointless movie. Uh, no, a quaint little movie. It is. No, Listen, it's not a quaint little. Irish, Irish, you've got to take yourself back. This is Half this, of, that basically was an animated movie. It, well, so was Aquaman. Yeah. So was yeah, Aquaman. But 
Come on, come on, I, under I, I the sea. I don't want to talk about Justice League anymore. We got other stuff to talk about. <laughs> let's, well, talk about let's talk about a great movie, like literally talking about watching a comic book on the screen. Let's talk about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah, that was, I, I saw that yesterday. I, but, Eric, I've got to finish my point about Justice League real quick. <laughs> now, if, if you think back to if you were a kid and that movie had come out, um, you, if you think back to that movie, would be one of the greatest movies of all time if that had been an '80s movie. It, it, yes, you're correct, but yeah. it wasn't. It was I know. In 2017, uh. and you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, a couple weeks after that, we had the Last Jedi. You know, we there's other there's people doing better things these days. Was Last Jedi better than Justice League? Yes. Mm. Yes, on so many levels. You've now given me something to really think about, Irish. <laughs> Why don't you talk about Raylo for a little bit? No, I don't. I don't need that backlash. <laughs> no. but come on, like every Marvel movie has been better than Justice League. I don't disagree with that at all. The Tim Burton Batman movies were better than Justice Ooh, League. I don't. Twenty five years ago. I don't know. Maybe the first one. They went. Maybe the oh, first no, one, but Batman. No, I said the Tim Burton ones. So That's oh, Batman the Tim one. Burton. Yeah, they were better. No, Batman Returns is not as good as Batman Forever, guys. Hmm. I, I can't just, remember which one's which. <laughs> Batman Returns is Penguin and Catwoman. Batman Forever is uh, Jim Carrey, Riddler, and Tommy Lee Jones, Two-Face. Oh, yeah, that was terrible. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Penguin and Catwoman was a lot better than Riddler. Yeah. I, th I think you just haven't watched it in a while. No, that's true too. I'm telling you, Batman Returns is a, a hard. <laughs> yeah, Batman Returns is a hard watch, guys. It is a hard watch. I'll, I'll give you that. Justice League has some good moments. You know, the scene where they're all together and Aquaman is sitting on Wonder Woman's lasso. Great scene. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's about it. Oh, dude, when Superman says, "I'm a big fan of truth," and I like justice too. Or something like that. Or I like truth. You mean the rubber Superman? Sure. Listen, that's fine. Henry, Cavie Henry Caviezel is so CGI. It's in that not. Movie. It's I'm disgusting. sorry. It's Henry Cavill, not in Henry. A great Caviezel. actor like Siren Hines, and he is completely fully animated. Yeah. Yeah. Like just looked horrible. Yeah. It's it's. Look, I'm not I'm not taking up for the movie and saying it's good. I'm saying that it's not as bad as you're making it out to be. And I'm saying, well, and I guess what I'm saying to you is it's not as good as you're making it. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe let's just draw, let's just meet in the middle. All right, there you go. It's not as bad as I don't want to talk about it. All right, into the Spider Verse. Here we go. <laughs> so I think I love this. I, I obviously love this more than you did, Steve. When we were texting about it yesterday, yeah, you just seemed to be kind of meh about it, which really surprised me. Yeah. Uh, Adam, have you seen the Into the Spider-Verse? I did, um, and I really liked it. Um, I'm, I'm very on the positive side, but I don't think I, I liked it as much as the hype mm -hmm. um, on the internet. Um, but I thought it was really great, and I, I think I guess there's a second one and maybe some spinoffs. So are the are the rumors. So and I, mix I saw today there could be TV shows coming out of it. Too. Oh wow. Well, I don't know if I want to see TV shows because I want them to put the, the time and resources you into it. You don't want to see Peter Porker, the Amazing Spider-Ham, as a cartoon you, for kids? You know, to be honest, I really liked 
um, the 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 first three Spider-Man, Miles, and um, the alternate Peter Parker and um, Spider Gwen or whatever they're calling her now. Um, the character development of those guys was fantastic, but I didn't care for those other three that get added. And that's pro- if they could have taken those other three out and focused on the first three more. I think that would have made it a better movie. Hmm. I I liked it a lot. Um, there, I, I asked you a question via text, Erish, and unfortunately, uh, my wife and I were the only ones in the in the movie when I when I sent you the text. But um, when when I was watching it, it would it would appear, and you mentioned you know it was written to it was designed to look like old school comics with like the dot printing and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. But I had this issue where. Every now and again, things would just kind of seem like they were almost out of focus, almost like you're watching a 3D movie without 3D glasses. And, yeah, and that, that's yeah. been one of the that's been one of the issues with the movie is you're not the only person. Like there are lots of stories on the interwebs and stuff about people going out and finding the theater manager and like we think you're showing the 3D movie on okay. the regular screen. I, I thought the same thing until I realized that was the, I guess that was the style. Yeah, it's the, it is. It's, they built a whole new animation engine that they are trademarking. Um, it, it's definitely the style of this movie. And okay. a lot of it is things that are intended to pay homage to the actual source material, the comic books and stuff. Well, that's fine. I mean, like I, I get that it was okay. And, and I'm okay with the, end. I, what I didn't like was um, I didn't like the animated style, I guess, that much. I didn't like the animation. I liked the dots and how everything kind of had that look to it and everything. But when everything would kind of seem to go out of focus here and there, I, did, I wasn't a big fan of that. Um, the, 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 the motion, the movements of the animation and everything was a lot smoother than I anticipated mm-hmm. it being. I loved every single nod back to any of the comic book source material or any of the pop culture source material that we got. I was absolutely um, enthralled with that kind of stuff. The approved by the Comics Code logo that came up at the beginning, I'm like, oh, this is going to be something fun and special. I thought it was really, really fun. I didn't care for Peter B. Parker (laughs) as much as I thought I would. I thought he was a little bit too much of a loser. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I was telling my wife as we were coming home after that, I said, I, this is kind of what makes me a little bit sad about the Spider-Man movies we've been given because in, um, in Tobey Maguire, especially in, in, in one and two, especially, I thought we got a really good Peter Parker, but when he put on the spider suit, it was a little bit lacking in the amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield. I thought Peter Parker cried too much, but when he had on the spider suit, he was quippy and funny and everything like Spider-Man always was. And then in Spider-Man Homecoming, I loved the performance of Tom Holland, both as Peter and Spider-Man, but I felt like the supporting cast was changed so much that mm-hmm. it was it it was a little distracting for me, but, but it was the closest to perfect we've gotten. And now the Peter Parker we got in this to give way to the Miles Morales, which everyone, I love Miles Morales. I love the character. Yeah. I love his origins in the comics and everything. But I just, I, I really do wish... You know that we could get just a a really good Peter Parker Spider Man that just hits all the all the bells and whistles, and that's a, such a funny thing to be complaining about in an age that we're living in right now as superhero properties go. But overall, mm-hmm. I really did dig the movie, and when when uh, Liv turns out to be Doctor Octopus, 
Um, you know, and I, I didn't see that coming, and I thought it was no, great. No, neither did I. And I yeah. loved that she was played by the amazing Catherine Hahn, too. Yes. I loved, I loved the portrayal of Kingpin. Um, mm-hmm. You know, such a different My take. My favorite thing in the movie, and especially that they used Bill Sienkiewicz's art. Yes. As Kingpin. That just, I had a huge smile on my face every time he was on the screen. And um, I like Tombstone being kind of one of his leg breakers, you know, mm-hmm. there next to mm-hmm. him. Tombstone's just one of those fun little uh, street level, you know, gang villain type characters, you know, organized yeah. crime type characters. And so, um, yeah, just absolutely. I really liked it a whole lot, guys. I, I mean, I, did, I, I do. I agree with you, though, Adam. I think that it's been a little bit overhyped by people. Uh, it's right. it's definitely not my favorite movie of 2018. I think that goes to Avengers: Infinity War mm-hmm. for me. But it's it's a great new way for Marvel if they if they choose to do this. I know this was a Sony Pictures thing, but it's a mm-hmm. great new way to kind of do some stuff at the theater. You know, maybe get into the animated movie version where because this was kid friendly and fun, but it was also a little bit serious. This is what I want a superhero movie to be, to be honest with you. Yeah. It's something that truly everyone can enjoy. Well, well and I I think, go ahead, Adam. I was just going to say how, how great that this is an animated uh, superhero movie and it is just as legitimate you know as any live action as far as the weight and the creativity um, and the lasting power that it carries I, I have two thoughts and I'll try and keep them quick because as I suspected it's gonna we're already an hour in and we haven't gotten <laughs> young justice um, uh, I can't remember what I was gonna say okay so one it, in terms of it being an animated movie, the, the the brilliant thing that this does for Sony is it gives them an avenue to continue their relationship with Marvel with the live-action Spider-Man, mm-hmm. um, which is working really well for them mm-hmm. because basically they're not having to they're not having to put any money up front, you know, to for these movies. Um, but they're getting a portion of the profits from it. Um, and then two, Spider-Verse now opens the door for them to basically create the thing that they've been wanting to do all along is create their own Spider-Verse. Yeah. You know, we've had reports about a Sinister Six movie. We got Venom earlier this year. You know, Silver Sable is supposedly in the works. Scrap all that. Just yeah. make this, this animated area your spider-verse and the brilliance of this movie is this conceit that basically every spider-man property out there now all exists in in the shared universe Mm -hmm. you know whether it be any of the movies that you brought up before steve i mean the brilliant uh post-credit scene with Spider-Man 2099 oh going gosh. back to the 1960s. Yes, content. yes. Well, and that's... that's you a, know, theoretically, like, uh, Spider-Man from Spider-Man and His Amazing Friends exists in this. Adam, you mentioned in an email that you got the PS4 Spider-Man game. Yeah. That guy's got to exist in this universe now. Mm-hmm. Venom's post credit scene was literally, meanwhile, in another Spider-Verse... And then it just showed a big scene from this movie. So Venom exists in this. Hmm. 
you know, so they've got this. They have they've got this vehicle now that allows them to do what they've wanted to do for like the last five years, and that's to build their own Spider Verse. Yeah, mm. and they can do it with all these different Spider-Men. You don't have to worry about how we're going to work Sinister Six in when, into this one or that one. You can give us the Peter Parker that you want to see, Steve, or we can get the Ben Riley Spider-Clone, or we can get Spider-Man 2099, like all these different things. Well, and it still all works. What I love about that post credit sequence is that it, he's got the technology now to jump back and forth between Mm -hmm. universes and as he does so um you know he's going to hopefully bring along some of these other spider characters the great thing about the into the spider-verse story arc from the comic books is is they brought everybody in to this they they did they even had like hostess cupcakes you know add spider-man in there at one point you know really (laughs) briefly and 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 it was a much darker story arc than this one was, but at the same time, the idea was they legitimized all these different versions of Spider-Man. I remember Spider-Ham being on the on the shelves back in the eighties, and I was like, "This is funny, you know. This is fun. Something Marvel's doing, kind of a send up of yeah, themselves." Yeah, part of the Star Comics. Never, never, in, never in a million years. Comics for little kids. Yeah, never in a million years would I have thought that they would have revisited, um, you know, he that walks character. His part. Yeah, never in a million years would I have envisioned them. They would bring that character into a legitimate story arc, though. You know, I think Rainbow Bright was part of it, also. Yeah. you know he he has a, a Marvel Legends action figure, by the way. I do. Peter and Porker. Peter Porker, the spectacular <laughs> yeah. Spider Ham, sure yeah. does. And I hate that I missed out on that one because it's nowhere to be found around here anymore. So oh, no, not anymore. Uh, yeah. Uh, one other point, I think that part of the reason the hype has been so strong for this isn't necessarily it's a great comic book story or whatever i think the thing that is really uh sticking with people is the feels Mm -hmm. you know it's been a long time since we've had certainly a comic book movie a genre movie that like really made you feel like this one did Mm -hmm. you know when when his uncle turns out to be the bad guy like you know, it just breaks your heart. It's like the yeah. scene from Simpsons where Bart's like rewinding a tape and he's like, look, Lisa, you could see where you broke his heart. You know, it, <laughs> that's literally how I felt and like watching. And I kind of, when he was in the apartment, I was just like, oh no, his uncle's a bad guy. Yeah. Like it just hit me. Mm-hmm. And then that scene was so powerful. And then Peter and his father. Not Peter, I mean Miles and his father, but mm-hmm. even what Peter's going through. Well, that's the thing. There was a great moment in you know that was so small when they go to Aunt May's, and Peter's like, "I'm not ready for this. I can't do this." You know, and and up until that point, he's just been kind of lazy, fat, wearing sweats, Peter and you know Spider Man. But there was like this real moment of emotion where it's like, "I just can't do this," because yeah. in his universe, Aunt May is dead. You know, and yeah. and and everything is wrong, and so to to have to get to interact with this woman that he loves with all his heart, you know, is just like it was. You're right. I, I think you're. I think you're spot on there, Eris. Is that they 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 did accomplish that for sure. The scene with Miles on webbed up on the one side of the door, and his dad comes to tell him about his uncle, 
is just it, mm. it was a heart wrenching scene. It, yeah. it was. Well, I'll tell you when Peter Parker dies right in the beginning, that hit me really hard to, yeah, to start way, off. That was the Peter Parker that you wanted to see. Yeah. Uh, the the interesting thing about this though is that that's this isn't the, this isn't the quote unquote mainline universe because no. the Peter Parker that dies is blonde, right? And Do- right. Doc Ock is a woman, right? So this this isn't even our you know right. Universe, it's not si- it's not the the old six one six as they say. Yeah, right. yeah, well, exactly. It's not one that we've been to yet. Right, right. So there, I mean, you know, there's the part, the Peter Parker we're used to is still out there. Right. And well, but okay, but let's argue it. Which one is that? Is it the Tobey Maguire? Is it the Andrew Garfield? Is it now the Tom Holland? Is it a Peter Parker from one of the cartoons? Well, and that's that, that's kind of the possibility that this opens up. Is yeah. that of these now exist together. Well, that's and that's the thing about also a character that's been around in these different mediums for, you know, 40 plus years is mm. it, is what is the right one. And and that's why I know when I say that I don't feel like we've gotten the spot on Peter Parker, you know, I realize that it's a very it's a thing of very much personal taste, you know, sure. that that you're but going that's after. That's another brilliant thing about this is that it doesn't make any claims that there's a right one. It's basically allowing the viewer to Oh, okay. Well, I like the Tobey Maguire movies, so that's my main Spider-Man. Right, right. I like the Tom Holland ones. That's my main one. I love the old '60s cartoon. That's my main one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I love the. What were those cheesy? Weren't they like the Japanese made in the '70s? They made those live action Spider-Man. Well, no, you had you had the live action Spider-Man starring Nick Hammond, but you did have a Japanese Spider-Man, Spider-Man, with uh, that he had like a robot and everything. Uh, a giant robot, as most Japanese properties did at that time, and uh, and he became he was into the Spider Verse comic. I mean, like they brought him in and everything. So, um, and then you have the '90s. Car- I think one of the most definitive versions of Spider Man is that '90s cartoon um, oh, that aired on Fox Kids. Yeah, uh, you know that that's a that you know, but yeah, you're right. I mean, to bring all these people in and to bring these different characters, uh, that's what I love so much about the last scene. The, the post credit scene with, with Spider-Man 2099, where he's like, I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning, 1967. Yep. <laughs> and then it just ends up being a point match between him and the old Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, so good. So, yeah, it was good. I mean, it was good stuff. I do feel like people... It's the, it's the ADD of this, of, of this era of life that we live in, <laughs> where people forget that back in... When was it? May. Uh, you know, we went through what we went through with Thanos and the gang. And, uh, and, and I just, I'm still reeling from that. I, I that has been what has right. kind of, that's been the wave that has carried me superhero wise through the years. I just, is how much I loved infinity war. I have watched that movie like 20 times. It does not get bad. No, no, it does no. not at all. Um, all right, Steve, I got, I got, I got something to tell you here. Okay. And you might want to sit down for this if you're not already doing it. Okay. I saw a Transformers movie that I loved. Oh, <laughs> old Bumblebee, old Bumblebee. Mm. Why didn't they just make this movie from the very beginning? <laughs> Why did they have to change the designs of all of our beloved Gen One Transformers? Yeah, yeah. Why did they have to make all five movies that just got more and more bloated messes when the yep. story was simple? 
Mm. I loved it. So good. That just in- what movie isn't better with John Cena in it? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> that intro battle scene made me remember why I loved the Transformers as a kid. That's yep. the first time with all you know, all the Transformers on Cybertron or wherever they are, and the the classic designed like the Transformers I remember as a kid. It yeah. just I was in love. I um Eris, you know me. I'm I'm a trans- You love your Transformers movies. I'm a Transformers apologist. Um <laughs> But I, I listen. When I saw the trailer for Bumblebee, and I saw the designs they were using on Cybertron, right down to the planes turning into the kind of those pyramid-shaped type things, you know, Starscream and the gang, I was just like, I was completely on board, and 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 blown away. Um, this movie earlier when we were kind of arguing or, or you know going down our rabbit hole about the Justice League. You know, I said, imagine if this movie were made in the 80s. It would have been a great movie. Bumblebee, much like Stranger Things, you know, feels like something from the 80s that was forgotten. And like, oh, yeah, we should now release this. Yeah. Bumblebee feels like Bumblebee feels like that. Um, They do such a great job of not only capturing like the era, but capturing the spirit of an 80s movie. You know, this was Mm -hmm. this did feel like a Spielberg E.T., um, you know, uh, the, the batteries not included, um, you know, all those little movies like that, that kind of hit during the eighties where yeah, like a Goonies, a Goonies. Yes, for sure. You know, the underdog kid gets in a big adventure way over their head mm-hmm. and comes out roses at the end. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Haley Steinfeld was fantastic in this. I love the kid. Uh, I don't know the actor's name, but the guy who was kind of into her and kept trying to introduce himself to her. Yeah, old memo. Yeah. Um, Pamela Adlin as her mom. I just love her. Um, yeah, I dug it. I loved all the music. And when they <laughs> just the little scene in the car where you got the touch <laughs> came on, I just lost it. I had to lean over to Ethan and explain to him why I was laughing so hard. Well, what's so funny is, is it took, you know, six movies for them to finally put that song in a Transformers movie. Um, oh, I'm glad they, they waited. Oh. So would have been angry if it had been in one of the other ones. Well, you know, it is what it is. Um, <laughs> but look, th- yeah, as a, as a Transformer, but also as someone who's loved all these other Transformers movies, this does not make me dislike the other Transformers movies. Well, um, and it doesn't change anything about the other Transformers movies no. either. It does Nothing. a little bit. It does a little what, bit. What does it change? Well, in Transformers Five, um, you know, you find out that Bumblebee has supposedly been around since World War Two on Earth. Um, this is true. But here's the thing: mm. I don't, I don't mind a retcon. If if, if we're going to get Bumblebee, you know, in his Corvette form, traveling next to Optimus Prime in his old school truck form down the highway. Oh, that, I, when you see that shot of them going across the bridge. I'm just mm. elbowing Ethan. I'm like, it's Optimus. Yeah. It's Optimus. <laughs> That's it's freaking Optimus Prime. As as much as I love the opening battle scene, and as much as I love the rest of this movie, that shot melted my heart. Yeah, you know, too. like uh, it, it was just it was everything. Again, I, I just I go back to this. This movie made me feel like a kid. This movie yeah. helped me, yeah. you know, feel like a kid again. And I absolutely 
absolutely loved it. I thought it was just, it was, it was great. You know, um, the thing about Haley Steinfeld, she's a great actress, and and she does such a good job of playing just kind of the every person, you know, the every man looking kind of person. Like, you know, she she doesn't have to be glamorous. She doesn't have to be, um, you know, the super hot chick in the room. She just she she did a great job as just your just regular old '80s kid. Again, you go back to that era where people just look normal. It, you know, the pre CW stuff. And um, and same thing with Memo. You know, he's just a normal looking dude. He's he's a weird looking dude, kind of. You know, but it works because it's an '80s movie for crying out loud. And this, this is, is going to age us, but I saw a thing with her where because she wears a Walkman mm-hmm. in, in a bunch of mm-hmm. scenes in the movies. She had no idea what a Walkman was or how to use it. <laughs> is that real life? Yeah, they had to teach her wow. how to use it. Well, you know, she was great. Uh, Haley Steinfeld, the first time I saw her, and I guess this might have been one of her debuts, was... True Grit. It was True Grit, yeah. And she was yeah. fantastic in that movie. Um, so she's just... she, Yeah, she was fantastic in she Bumblebee as well. She was nominated for an Oscar for that movie. Yeah. And she and, and to tie back into the last movie, she was she was Spider-Gwen um, in Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, that's right. She yeah. was. Yep. Huh. So, so there's, there's you all think- you're tying. Do you think that this is the look and feel and direction that they're going to go in future Transformers movies, or is this a deviation? I I think it, I think this was a soft reboot of sorts, to be honest with you. Yeah, I read though that um, because you know they're they're talking about obviously the next character to try and do is Optimus, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. do the same thing with him, but uh-huh. they said that. His character, they can't really do this kind of story with because of the importance of that character. Right. And the importance that he plays to all the other Autobots. Mm-hmm. So I think that, I think that yes, this is like a soft reboot and is the direction that they would prefer to go. But I just don't know that they know where to go with it. Right. Well, they got a good don't start. Know that I don't know that it generated the box office that they're ready to rush into doing it. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, you know, it was released the same time as Aquaman and Spider-Verse and all this stuff. And just Aquaman, Aquaman sort of took the place of Star Wars this year and was the big Mm -hmm. dominant thing at the box office. Well, it it hasn't bombed. I mean, it it? hasn't. No, but it hasn't made the money that any of the other five Transformers movies did. Yeah. Well, look, I, I'm telling you, I, I Which think... Which were all released in July, in the summer. But this also mm-hmm. has much more... It had much more... Much better um, word of mouth uh, yes. than... Yeah. I think yeah, and is. I think that once it hits, like, streaming and video on demand and stuff like mm-hmm. that, that it's really going to find a much larger audience. Yeah. I mean, it's made almost a hundred million dollars. I don't know how much it cost to make. I know it was a much lower budget than, um, yeah. than originally, you know, than the other movies. Um, but still, nowadays a much lower budget could be very high. I'm looking. I'm trying to find it right now. Ooh, that's not good. It said it had a production budget of 135 million. Ooh. So yeah, that's unfortunate. Has it? Uh, and that's the well. That's just the domestic total. Is is the uh, is the ninety eight? Um, the foreign total gross right now is one hundred ninety two million. So I mean, it's busted over almost three hundred million worldwide. So it's not it's not doing too bad. No, it's not. It's not a Holmes and Watson. 
Right. Which or that welcome or welcome to Marwin. Which I got to be on. Well, welcome to Marwin. I don't think anyone expected that to do Gangbusters. But well, they spent a lot of money making that. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. On the makeup and stuff, I guess. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely it's probably the biggest flop of the year. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a pity. Well, I haven't seen it, but there's there's a Star Wars fan website guy that worked on that apparently. One of those action figure websites. I don't know who it is, but I saw chatter about it. One of oh, the cool. prominent um, action figure review Star Wars websites. Some some one of the guys on there apparently posed all the the figures and dolls on the movie. Oh wow, yeah. cool. So we got somebody on the inside. Oh, <laughs> here on the inside. Well, hey, I, with all this discussion that we've had about these things, guys, I'm actually this part of this show. Uh, I'm I'm going to release on the regular Geek Out Loud feed as a regular episode of Geek Out Loud. So okay. before we before good. we before we cut to exclusive Patreon content, uh, Adam, anything you want to plug that you've got coming up? Um, well, as I've said before, I've got um, the uh, Marvel Studios character encyclopedia coming out and the Marvel um, Marvel encyclopedia covering the comics. Those are both, I think they're April 2nd. Okay. Erish, anything, uh, anything people need to be aware of? I know Stranger Things World's Turn Upside Down is still out there. Yep, and our first Delray's first official Stranger Things novel, uh, Stranger Things: Suspicious Minds, is going Cold on sale February fifth by Gwenda Bond. Okay, so check that out. It's uh, a story about Eleven's mom. Ooh. So you get some backstory information there. Interesting. Hmm. All right. Well. We'll have people look out for that. Okay, if you want to hear our discussion about Young Justice, you know what to do. Head over to patreon.com slash geekoutloud and hit us up. I'm sorry to do the cheap plug, but our discussion was so good about all these other things in geekdom. It's a perfect Geek Out Loud episode, and I couldn't just let it go by. So if you want to join us on Patreon, we'll see you over there. If not, we'll see you next time on Geek Out Loud. 